want to speak to you today on the subject of one word, grow. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. There are two basic processes that affect the physical man, the process of growth and the process of death. Throughout his life, a man is either growing or dying. And as soon as the processes which bring you to full maturity finish their course, those processes that carry you to the grave begin. When you stop growing, you start dying. Almost everything grows. Almost nothing originates as it is to be. And the Bible reveals, and observation reveals, that God's will and God's plans for the things which he loves is growth, development, and progress. Growth is always a miracle. As a matter of fact, someone once said that when we understand the secret of growth, we'll be close to understanding the secret of life. Vegetable, animal, and human life all have this in common. They grow. There are countless words to describe those things that do not grow normally. Runt, midget, dwarf, munchkin, shrimp, and so on. These words only indicate that plants, animals, and humans are expected to experience a period of growth, that something is thought to be wrong when they do not grow. Beyond that, growth, progress, and development seem embedded in the heart of humanity. In the area of science and technology, men are striving to reach new heights of excellence. Each year they go faster and they go further. They invent new machines and processes that make new and greater achievements possible. In the area of business and industry, mammoth, mammoth efforts are being launched to increase sales, production, profit, and organizational size. They consider themselves to have failed unless some growth takes place each year. There's something about a real man and woman that not only makes them want to grow physically, but also mentally, intellectually, and materially. This is why Manzini said, the moral law of the universe is progress. Every generation that passes idly over the earth without adding to that progress remains unsubscribed on the register of humanity, and succeeding generations trample its ashes in the dust. And Margaret Fuller was prompted to say, I'm suffocated and lost when I have not the feeling of progression. One should strive to extract from each day, week, and year its bounty of wisdom, knowledge, and experience. You should strive to save a portion of the money that passes your way so that you'll have more next year than you do this year. 
One of the most tragic things in life is for a person to have no ambition or desire to improve his lot. Every person ought to have goals and objectives for his life. Determine what you'd like to be or have in 10 years, five years, or even one year, and start working toward that objective. Stop waiting for something to drop out of the sky on your head. Prepare yourself and start working toward your objective. It may be difficult. You may not reach your objective. But if you aim high for the moon and miss, at least you'll be better off than you would have been if you had not tried at all. So many people do nothing because they tried something before and it didn't put them on the top. But you don't get to the top overnight. It's a long, hard pull. Don't worry about what you cannot do. Do what you can today, and tomorrow you will do more. One of the fascinating things about the early church was its fantastic growth. In Acts 2.41, the Bible says, Then they that received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to the church daily, those being saved. In Acts 4.4, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of those was about 5,000. As Jesus said in Mark 4.31, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is sown in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. The New Testament church was a growing, thriving church. It was a church that loved the teaching of the ministers of God. It was a fellowshipping church. It was a praying church. It was a unified church. It was a giving church. It was a praising church. It was a growing church. That's the kind of church I want West Angeles to be, even as it has been in the past. That's the kind of church that I pray it will be that in the future. Growth, development, progress seem to be the theme of the book of Second Peter. In the second verse of his letter, he says to his readers, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. There you have some multiplication. But then he talks about some addition. For in chapter 1, verse 5, he encourages us to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly love and kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, 
patience, godliness, and brotherly kindness and charity. These are known as the seven Christian graces. And Peter encourages us to add one to another until we possess them all. And so multiplication and addition always results in progress and growth. And Peter leads up to this admonition by reminding them of certain truths already established in their minds. He said to them, I stir up your minds by way of remembrance. This is good for us today as we are sometimes forgetful. In 2 Peter 3.3, 3, the Bible says, knowing this, first, that there shall come scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And, you know, these are those that make a mockery of the matter of sin and salvation. These are those who say that nothing is wrong, everything is all right. Do your thing. Follow your own passions. But Jesus ain't coming back. But it's good for us to remember to expect people like this so that we can be on guard against them. Peter then says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter then reminds them that all these things should be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the hastening unto the coming of the day of God. All these things shall be dissolved. Second Peter 3.10 The Bible says that the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and these works that are therein shall be burned up. Don't get so wrapped up in the things of the world and of the flesh, for the flesh will return to dust and the earth shall dissolve. Don't sell the eternal salvation of your soul for decaying flesh and dissolving material things. Not that they're evil, but it is possible to become evil in some material and fleshly pursuits. In 2 Peter 3.13, they are reminded that they are looking for a new heaven and a new earth, and that they should diligently strive to be found in Christ without spot or blameless. And in 2 Peter 3.17, the Bible says, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So church, standing still is not one of our alternatives. This is why Coleridge said, if a man is not rising upward, depend on it. He's sinking downward. All that is human must retrogress if it does not advance. The, the apostle informs us that the alternative to being led away with the error of the wicked and falling from your steadfastness is to grow. Let's look at some signs of spiritual maturity 
as compared with spiritual immaturity. The first sign is stability. A believer must be stable if he is to grow, not like children tossed to and fro every wind of doctrine as Ephesians 4 and 14 says. And then not only must we be stable, we must be durable. Durability is a sign of spiritual maturity, not easy to give up. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6 and 9. And the next sign is to be patient and attendant. You shall not faint and be weary. Children want everything right now, but we've got to be mature enough to run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not only must we be stable and durable, we must be disciplined and responsible. If we are faithful over a few things, the Lord will make us ruler over many things, not leaving our responsibility, but doing everything we can to have those things that God would have done in our lives to take place. The next sign that we must have if we are to be mature is a self-giving and concern about others attitude. The liberal soul shall flourish. God gave, Jesus gave, and he said, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you as it was in Christ. Fruitfulness and productivity. A tree is not mature because it is tall. A tree is mature because it's fruitful. The fig tree in the Bible was cursed because it did not yield fruit. And God wants our lives to be fruitful also. What kind of fruit will you bring forth? I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm upward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Let's talk for a while about aids to spiritual growth. The first aid to your spiritual growth is you've got to be spiritually born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not, you must be born again. You've got to be born spiritually if you are to grow spiritually. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to be delivered from the sinful and depraved nature and to gain power to live a new life in Christ Jesus. And as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, as many as believe on his name. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Salvation is commitment and faith. Salvation is also an experience of the indwelling of Jesus Christ in your life. The second aid to spiritual growth is to feed the right persons. Two aspects of your being are physical and spiritual. 
If you feed the physical man, your physical man will grow. If you feed the spiritual man, your spirit man will grow. If you serve the physical, it will rule in your life. If you serve the spiritual, it will rule in your spirit and ultimately in your life. So make a commitment. Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Reckon to yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And then the third aid to spiritual growth is to love the word of God. And newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. First Peter 2 and 2. And then Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. The fourth aid to spiritual growth is to love and to hold fast to the truth. Ephesians 4, 14 says, Be henceforth no more like children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And Jude says, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Without a faith, without a belief, you have nothing to build on. But then the fifth aid to spiritual growth is prayer. Jude continues, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord wants us to pray until we pray out of ourselves and into the realm of his spirit. The seventh and final spiritual aid is to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so Jude just didn't say praying, but he said praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying until your spirit takes charge of the prayer. Praying until you're focused on the things of God, praying until you feel the presence and the power of God. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And then just know the Spirit of God is food for the soul. If you have the Spirit, if you pray in the Spirit, if you pray in tongues, if you speak to the Almighty God in spiritual languages and with a spiritual heart, there is nothing that God will not do in making you a spiritual giant. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses all over the world. Child of God, God wants you to grow. God wants you to be the very person that he would have you to be. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm upward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I've found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. God wants to bless you to reach heights unknown, to go higher and higher in power, in wisdom, in might, in goodness, in grace. That's God's will for your life. That is my prayer for your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
What a joy and what a privilege it has been to share the word of God with you on this day. What a joy it is to have the privilege of growing taller and higher and stronger in the will and in the plan of Almighty God. That is my prayer for you and for your family. That is my prayer for the people of the Lord. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your presence, for your might, for your goodness, for your wonderful grace. You've called us to higher heights and to deeper depths. And dear Lord, we pray that you will take us higher in your will, in your plan, and in your way. We will praise you and bless you and give glory to your name. And every day we'll know you better than we did the day before. Thank God. Thank God. Please pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins, for any shortcomings that may be in my life. Forgive me, dear Lord, and draw me near to your will, by your plan, and in your way. I pray this prayer for every one whose ears hear my word, that you will know God better and more every day, that you'll be stronger than you were the day before, and that you will grow into the person that God would have you to be. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen.